CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer as we get together every weekday at this time, live across America and around the world on the Internet. We just want to encourage you to give us a call. If you've been reading your Bible, come across something you don't understand, sharing your faith. Maybe you wonder what a good Christian worldview of everything going on is. Well, that's why we like to get together. And so if you've got a question, that number to call again, 88 88- 88 Ask CSN. We've got some lines open, so you're sure to get on if you call right now. Joining me today, as it was from yesterday, we have with us John Randall from Calvary Chapel, OC, Southern California, down by San Clemente. Hi and welcome. Hi, Mike. Great to be with you here today. Yeah, Calvary South OC, located in San Clemente, California. It's great to be with everybody and uh, looking forward to the program today, Mike. Yeah, always a, a blessing to be with you. My uncle used to own the San Clemente Hotel in historic downtown here. San Clemente. It's and I remember my cousin and me, we used to, there was this old rickety elevator, and I think it's still there. Uh, but it, it was really creepy, but it was really fun. And especially when you're, you know, nine, 10 years old. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was really just a blast to do that. But uh, we'd go down there and just enjoy uh, the beach and all. And so what a beautiful place it is there. And look forward to answering some questions with you. What you teach you on tomorrow night? Well, tomorrow night, we are continuing our study through the book of Galatians, moving into the fifth chapter, encouraging us to stand fast in the liberty that we have in Christ. And then still Sunday mornings, going through the Sermon on the Mount. Wow, it's been intense. We're in the fifth chapter. And I tell you what, that's one sermon that really, uh, you know, some sermons you can critique. This one critiques you. This is the this is Jesus. <laughs> yeah. about this. Amen. You know, and and uh, again, John's uh, has a radio program on CSN about an hour before this one begins at three o'clock Mountain Time, and so I just want to encourage you to tune in and listen to uh, Pastor John Randall. I think you'll really enjoy that. Again, eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask CSN is the number to call. And um, before we go to the phones, very quickly, last night you went and saw the Jesus Revolution with your youth group. What did you think? Well, it's been great, Mike. You know, Friday night was the actually first time we went. We had we we sold out three theaters, and the first night and uh, for our church. And then Monday night, last night, we took the young adults group to see it as well. And you know, Mike, for me, uh, as I was sharing with you off air, but when I grew up, I started going to Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa in 1974. So you know, it was kind of right at the heels of the the revival that God was doing and it continued you know there were some things that God continued to do we had moved out of the tent and moved into the building and so I'll tell you it made me so grateful to have that heritage of the word of God the commitment to the word of God it just I was just so thankful and it brought back a lot of great memories from my childhood I think of some of the the songs that were played which were the soundtrack of my my childhood and so we were really encouraged and inspired Mike truly Amen. And uh, I remember back, I actually was in the tent there at Costa Mesa as well, um, before they, before they moved into the new building. Uh, but, uh, what a, what an interesting time. 
in uh, life and in ministry and in that I, I believe that that great revival that that was taking place uh, where, you know, we had a whole generation looking for love. We had a whole generation looking for meaning. We had a whole generation looking for peace. And all the things that the world offers never satisfied any of those things. I Again, I use this illustration quite often, but the Beatles sang a song, All You Need Is Love. Then they broke up and sued each other. I don't want that kind of love. You know, when you really look at it, and then you look at uh, uh, peace, uh, just what Jesus said, peace, peace, but there is no peace. You're never going to have peace without the Prince of Peace. And so this is one of the great problems that we find. But Jesus was all of those things, mm-hmm. and the only that really satisfies the soul. So really a good, really a good uh, uh, movie. Uh, reminiscent uh, of, of uh, and again, a Greg Laurie story, how he came to faith and uh, not a docudrama, but actually a real movie uh, that you can bring anybody to, a non-believer or whatever, and they're going to hear the gospel and prayerfully God will change their life forever. And so uh, the movie Jesus Revolution, uh, and again, I've seen it and I, I just really am very, very impressed with it. Great, great movie. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Linda on the line from Desert Hot Springs, California. Hi, and welcome. Hi, pastors. How are you? Good. How may we help? Yeah, I have a question about um, some bracelets that I was gifted to by my son. And um, they're called frequency bracelets. And supposedly they're supposed to help you, like, with your strength and, you know, mobility and things like that. And I was just wondering if they were demonic or not. Well, I don't think they're demonic as much as I believe they're probably foolish. But uh, the idea that, uh, you know, they had these little things they were selling on the Internet. You put them in your pocket. And it, and it, and, uh, like your vest pocket and it kept radio waves from, uh, your cell phone radio waves from getting to you. It didn't work. It was a scam. Your cell phone still rang just the same with one of those in your pocket or if you didn't have one in your pocket. And again, when oftentimes people say, well, uh, they're these, uh, bracelets ground radio waves. Well, they're not hooked to the ground. They're, they're around your wrist. If they had a wire going to a copper rod driven in the ground 10 feet, well, they might have some benefit. But there's nothing that you're going to just wrap around your wrist that magically is going to keep, you know, G5 radio waves or whatever radio waves that are out there. Now, are radio waves, can they be harmful? Well, of course. They, the guy that uh, discovered microwave ovens. They were actually working on a communications project, and he had a Hershey candy bar in his his shirt pocket. And when he went to reach for it, it was all melted because he had been standing in front of the microwave dish. And this is where they realized, hey, this can be used to heat water molecules. And so this is kind of an interesting thing. And yes, it is true. I believe those kind of radio waves if you are subjected to them long enough, can cause damage. But you're not going to get rid of those things by a little, uh, you know, a little uh, wafer-sized thing in your pocket or a magic bracelet or something like that. Now, people have asked the question, what about copper bracelets? Well, there might be some useful use in that, in that it supplies a mineral to your skin and to your body. And uh, depending on what your ailment is, it may be very beneficial. I don't know. but 
Uh, when we talk about wearing a bracelet to ground radio waves where the bracelet is not hooked to the ground, uh, I, I, I think that's a real stretch of anyone's imagination. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know much about uh, frequency bracelets. I've never worn one. I Honestly, Linda, I didn't even know what they were until you asked the question. <laughs> I was like, I never heard of that before. And um, so, I, Mike, the, you know a lot about radio and frequency. So I, you're the right guy to answer it. I will say, you know, it did remind me, though, uh, Linda, I was thinking about other things that sometimes people come up with. And, uh, uh, for example, crystals. Like, you know, if you have these certain kind of crystals and that's going to, you know, keep this energy away and keep this energy, you know, I, I don't I, I don't put much stock in those things. Um, but I but again, about frequency bracelets, haven't haven't heard too much about those. Never worn one. Yeah, crystals fall into the same category and they they do nothing. So, um, again, it's it's, uh, uh, you know, and, and what I find sometimes is people that will reject Jesus Christ will believe in their crystals or in their magic bracelets or some other. Uh, you know, uh, astrology or whatever. And I, I think it's so amazing because, you know, you look at two twins that are born just ma- a matter of seconds apart from each other. And they have completely different personalities. I mean, if there's nothing more that that debunks astrology, that would be it. And I've had people say, well, what sign are you born under? And I said, under the cross. So always remember, that's your your best answer when someone asks you that. You know, appreciate, uh, you know, uh, Linda, you know, you can appreciate the gift. Uh, maybe it's pretty. And if that's all the more it is, well, then that's all right. But I think if we're thinking that it's going to do anything supernatural uh, for us or um, ground radio waves, I, I you're, that's pretty far out there. Hope that helps. Yeah, that helps. And also on TikTok, I've seen... Um... Like these guys, they seem to be like wizard style people or something, and they um, make they put on a frequency, and you're supposed to be able to be like hypnotized by that sound, you know, like to be calm, to go to sleep, you know, if you're having some type of problems. Have you? Yeah, I think it's called the American News Media. It's put the whole country to sleep. It's worked great. Just kidding. Uh, John, your thoughts. Yeah, I, again, I'm not really sure about that, you know, uh, about frequencies and, and putting people to sleep and so forth, Linda. I just say, but it sounds to me like there's definitely a check in your spirit. And I would too. I'm not going to mess around with bracelets, uh, that, or, you know, check out guys on TikTok that are wizards. Uh, man, I'm going to stick to the word of God. I'm going to stay to God's word. I'm going to stick to the truth and that'll keep me away from error. And I do remember though, there was a time when they had these power balance bracelets that came out and oh man, these things give you balance. You got to wear these and you can buy them and, and everybody was buying them and it, it didn't give me any more balance. I, I'm still pretty balanced with it without it. So I just stick to the word, stay away from those things that, you know, kind of get weird and, and, and get off, off, off track and away from the truth. Linda it would be my encouragement to you today if that helps. Yeah, I hope that yeah, helps, Linda. It does. And I just didn't want to wear them, you know. They had some type of significant meaning, you know. And it kind of hurts my son's feelings that I don't wear them because they're very expensive. I think one of them was like $100 and the other one 150 So anyways, I'm just going to start wearing them then. <laughs> and- yeah, you know, Isaiah 47.12 says, Stand now. With thine enchantments and with your multitude of sorceries, wherein thou hast labored from your youth, 
and see if it will so be able to save you from the day of the Lord. You know, uh, when you look at this uh, enchantments, I think that's what this falls under as well as the crystals and all those things. Superstition based in nothing. And it's interesting to me, again, that they will believe in that stuff, and you tell them about a true living Savior, one that died for you, they'll reject that and believe a lie. Always amazing to me, Linda. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, the movie Jesus. I think you'll enjoy it, okay? Thank you so much, pastors. I love you. God bless you. If we, if you need us, we're here for you. 8888, ask CSN is the number to call. We have Karen on the line. Uh, Oregon, hi, welcome. Hi, um, thank you, pastors, for taking my call. I uh, am a little confused on Matthew uh, twenty-five thirty-one, where it talks about Jesus separating his sheep from his goats. Now, is that the bema seat, or is that after the millennium? Um, because I know that the Father is the one that judges in the white. Well, I assumed it was the Father was on the white throne. Um, just wanting some clarification, then I had a follow-up question. Yeah, Karen, I believe that phrase, where God separates the sheep from the goats, is is that after the millennial reign of Christ. Now, you have to remember that the dead who died during the millennial reign of Christ do not live again until um, the great white throne judgment. Those that died in faith. In other words, if there was any place probably for soul sleep in the Bible, I think that's the only place. Because the Bible tells us right now to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And those that are faithful to God, the Bible says you will rule and reign with him during this millennial reign. But the people that are born again during the millennial reign, and there will be Christians during that particular time, uh, uh, as well as all the world who will enjoy the benefits of Jesus ruling and reigning with the perfect government, perfect food, perfect environment, perfect everything, they'll enjoy the benefits, but not born again. And that's why when Satan is loosed at the end of the, uh, nearly at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ, uh, the Bible says the sand is on the seashore. They come against Jesus to make war with him, literally. But there are going to be those who will die, I believe, as believers during the millennial reign. In fact, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, if somebody dies at 100 years old, they'll consider him a child. Wow, that's a lot different than the way it is now. So I believe that that, when everybody that is in that uh, millennial time will stand before God, because before that time, we know that the books will be opened the ungodly from the beginning of time will be judged. However, the Christians have already stood in the bema seat judgment of Christ. We've already gotten our rewards as we rule and reign with him for that thousand years. But there will be that group of people, Christians, during the millennial reign that I believe will be separated from the world and those that are in the world, as well as all those, when their full works have come to fruition, those will then be cast in the lake of fire and the Bible says that it burns forever. Now, the idea, as the cults always have, there is no hell. There is no eternal hell. It, it, it's a flash in the pan. It, it's a, a a thought. It's 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 not really real. It's just a figment of your imagination. No, that's all cultic teaching. The Bible talks very clearly in the book of Jude. It is a place where the ungodly will suffer the vengeance 
of God forever, the fire forever. So it's very clear when we look in Scripture what happens to those people who reject God. But you got to remember that just because a person dies today that's not a believer, their evil works continue, and evidently in some way, possibly even into the millennial reign. And so it's at the end of the millennial reign, that thousand-year reign of Jesus ruling over the earth, that the books will be open. God will separate the sheep from the goats. The goats are going to get their, 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 the, the books will be open. They'll be judged according to what they've done, the people they've misled. I do believe that there will be degrees of punishment in eternity. Um, the Bible, Jesus said, some will be beaten with many stripes and some with few. So I look at that as, uh, eternal torment. Um, those that died in faith, I believe, will be resurrected. And of course, them, as well as all of us, will go into the New Jerusalem and there will ever be. Your thoughts? Um, first of all, Karen, uh, one, one thing I'd like to mention is that when it comes to judgment, Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 22, that the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. We always encourage people to respond to Jesus now as your Savior or you will stand before him one day as your judge. The second thing I want to mention to you there in that uh, Matthew's gospel, in the 25th chapter, 31st verse, it tells us when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit upon the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and then he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And so it'll be Jesus who is now the judge. He came to die as Savior. Now judgment has been committed into his hands, and he will be separating uh, those two groups one from another. So great question that you ask. Amen. I hope that helps. Well, I have another question. Okay. Um, even regarding the one with the sheep and the goats, it says, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. If that is after, in the perfect world, where would that come into play? I believe it's a general statement concerning the benevolence of a believer, a person in Christ Jesus. You know, it's interesting. People talk about being filled with the Spirit and coming out of a, a hyper-Pentecostal church myself. I understood a lot of the things. But you know what's really interesting? What you find between 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is chapter 13, the chapter on love. And I really look for love to be the number one principle uh, fruit of the Spirit in a believer's life. Uh, it isn't how... how uh, how high you jump and how fast you can run, but it's how how do you love? And I, I really believe that it's a supernatural love the Holy Spirit gives us for the lost and to help people and to reach out to them. Now, now let me explain this because I think it's so important. James says, if we say to somebody, be warm, be filled, but we don't do anything to help them. Now, I'm not saying that we go and find every uh, homeless person we can find and just start uh, pouring stuff on. Many people have chose lifestyles that have brought them to this. This is one of the dangers of getting into drugs and getting into alternate lifestyles is it always has a consequence. Now, I'm not saying we don't help them. But we need to be very careful. We need to be led by the Spirit. There's always going to be more people that need help than any one person, any one group, any group of Christians can handle. 
But we need to be aware that when God brings people to us, that we need to help them. We need to, whatever it is that we can do to make their life better. I believe this is what the Bible is talking about, love. If we have, if we speak with tongue and a men and of angels, but I have not love, what does it profit me? And I really believe that love is not just love, but I believe it's love for, for the lost. That's a supernatural thing. You know, a lot of people say, yeah, I know this guy. He was really bad. I'm a Christian, you know, and I hear he's going to hell. Well, good. He deserves to go to hell. I've actually heard Christians talk like that. But when I hear somebody talk like that, I know they've not been touched by the Spirit of God. I'm not saying they're not a Christian. I'm just saying they haven't been touched by the Spirit of God. Because if they had been, they would understand there by the grace of God go I, and there we would reach out to them and do what we can do to encourage them. I think this is one of the key spark plugs of the Jesus movement back in the early uh, 70s, late 60s, was there was that love that people would just reach out and help people uh, and show the love of God. I think that's so important. And so really that chapter 13, sandwiched between the external manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit, I believe is so important because by nature, by nature, we as people in an unregenerated manner, and even as a Christian, by nature, it isn't our heart to go into the deepest, darkest jungles or the deepest, darkest alleys and ghettos in America and reach out to people. It isn't by our own nature. We need that supernatural nature that comes from God that sparks that love to reach out to people in that way. Then it's not a grievous burden, but it's something you want to do. Jesus addressed the church in Revelation, the first church, church of Ephesus. And he said, he, he lists all the wonderful things they were doing. He said, but I have this against you. You left your first love. The things they once did out of love, now they're doing out of duty or out of obligation. Obligation. We don't want to do that. We really want to say, hey, as a matter of fact, buddy, Jesus loves you. And how can I make your your life a little better to point you the right direction? Your thoughts, John? Well, Karen, I know when I read this passage of scripture as a believer, I often say, Lord, how can I apply this to my life? And I realize that Jesus said there um, that as you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And so I ask myself, Lord, can you open my eyes to see how I can be like you, to see the least of these, that I might minister to them? And what does that look like? It may look like a neighbor who needs help. It may look like a coworker who needs to hear the gospel or, uh, you know, whatever it is. Lord, give me your eyes to see so that I can apply this. I, I, I'm, I'm a sheep. He's my shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And my shepherd was kind and benevolent and merciful and forgiving and compassionate and sought to meet needs. And so if I'm a sheep following the shepherd, then I, I want to do that as well. And I want to uh, minister to those who would be considered the least of these in order that he might be blessed and pleased. And that one day I'll be rewarded for that. Um, and so I would just encourage you and encourage all of our listeners, Mike, really to apply this passage and uh, to our lives. Amen. So I hope that answers it for you, Karen. Well, the, the other question I had was pretty much answered by your love segment, but I was very convicted when I read First Peter and um, how the, you know, the harsh treatment of a slave, you're supposed to just endure it and bear up. And um, that was kind of a, a situation that I was going under, and I didn't react in the way I should have, so I was very convicted by that. But the other question I have was in First Peter chapter 4, um, starts about verse 19, 
for it is hard for a righteous to be saved, and then what will it become of the ungodly and the sinners? And I read that, you know, above it, basically talking about, um, yeah, the, talking about that prior, and maybe you could go into that in more depth. But I was just wondering what Peter meant by it. Um, we're still being molded, and, and if we're not following this, um, through love, is that where we fall short? Well, I believe that is probably a challenge not to take our Christianity lightly. I believe a lot of people today take the Christianity very nonchalantly, like, oh, well, you know, I've got my new car, I got my new cell phone, uh, uh, and I got Jesus. And really, the relationship's about the same of all three. Very dangerous. And I believe this is one of the things that Peter was pointing out, because of all the people that understood why it was so important to have a very deep relationship with God, is he's the one that denied the Lord three times. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike. I think that's a good response to that question. And um yeah, I, I can't really add anything to that. So, Karen, I, I really believe that that's, you know, really the way we have to look at our relationship with God and and to you know uh, uh and and the only reason we barely escape as it says there in Peter is not because we because of what Jesus did for us um and I believe that's so important but I believe never to take that lightly or nonchalantly I hope that helps so it's basically our be, our reaction to these given hard circumstances that they're talking about that were to be basically suited an armor of that love covenant where love never is rude, love never boasts, love never remembers all of the wrong. Exactly. Exactly. Somebody said what, I think it was Chuck Smith said one time, he said, he said, if you're, when you're reading that, take the word of love out and put your own name in it, in its place in First Corinthians chapter 13. So, you know, Mike is always loving and is kind. Mike, and you go, oh man, Lord, I, I just, you realize how, how you really need to stay tuned into God's heart. Otherwise, you'll find yourself doing things and going places and being things you wish you never did. So I really believe that that's so important, but substitute the word love there with your own name there in First Corinthians 13 for a real eye opener of um, where you stand on God's uh, God's value system. So important. Stay on the line, Karen. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. Okay. Thank you very much. God bless you. We'll also send you out the movie Jesus and. Uh, uh, always a, a great time. 8888 ASCSN is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. We are coming up on that break. We'll have more right after it, so don't go away. Hey, this is Brant along with Sherry here. And so you hear me doing these spots for MediShare, and Sherry actually helps me with them. I get people actually in person saying, okay, Brant, for real, do you recommend this? Like, Yeah. Uh, for real, I actually do. I'm not just saying stuff. So family, friends ask me about it. I'm like, yes, you should look into this. It's really a great option for a lot of people. That's what I tell people. My experience has been MediShare has been fantastic for me. Yeah. It, it's so different from health insurance in a lot of great ways, honestly. It, yeah. And see, a lot of people who've switched tell me that. It's the same reaction. They're very, very happy with it. And it gives them peace of mind and saves them a lot of money. I would tell people, look into it. Yep. Uh, so really, for reals, uh, if you want to talk to them, they're great to talk to. I think you'll be 
impressed and happy you looked into it. So um, you do the phone number. I'm actually tired of doing all the phone numbers. <laughs> okay. Uh, call now. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Nice job. Thanks. Does the Bible seem too big, complicated, and overwhelming? There's a free Bible resource that's been around for more than 25 years and is used and trusted by millions worldwide. The Enduring Word Bible Commentary by David Guzik is a clear and simple way for everyday Christians and even seasoned Bible teachers to study God's Word. David's commentary not only breaks down the entire Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, it also provides helpful quotes from well-known Bible expositors throughout history. The commentary has also been translated into many languages, including Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, and more. Find the Enduring Word Bible Commentary as well as a free downloadable e-book called The King's Kingdom, a deeper look at the Sermon on the Mount by David Guzik at EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. That's EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. Welcome you back to part two of To Every Man and Answer here on this Tuesday afternoon with John Randall. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. Again, John Randall's program comes on before To Every Man and Answer uh, at three o'clock Mountain Time. I want to encourage you to tune in, listen to uh, how God uses him in a great way of expository teaching of God's Word. I think you'll really enjoy that. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. We're going to go to Mike in Texas. Hi, and welcome. Hey, how are you doing today? Well, good. I me? pray you are too, Mike. How can we help? Well, I'm, I'm having a difficult time, uh, which, uh, of course, is why I'm calling in. Um, full disclosure, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and, uh, and uh, my wife uh, works in the education system, and um, we watched a movie um called you people which um is you know supposed to be a comedy and um my wife then explained to my two boys who are 16 and 13 that uh white people are born racist and um she doesn't know if she believes in god or not we were married in the catholic church um i have since uh still identify as catholic but um i'm more i, I don't know if this is the right phrase but I'm more Catholic, uh, more Christian than Catholic, right? I absolutely believe that, that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And I, I have asked my boys, you know, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? And they acknowledge that. And I said, well, you know, that's a good start. Um, but I'm kind of at a wit's end. And, um, and honest to goodness, I can't remember if say said we were separated. We're living in the same house. But I don't know if divorce is the answer. Your thoughts, John? Well, Mike, I appreciate your honesty and transparency. I want to congratulate you also on your sobriety. I'm thankful for that. And um, that's a blessing. And the blessing of having a family, having a wife, and having sons. Uh, the question being, 
is divorce the answer? I don't believe that divorce is the answer. I believe that first and foremost, Mike, I think um, it's one thing to uh, believe in Jesus. It's another thing to follow him and to walk with him. And I would I don't know if you guys are attending church consistently, but I do know when couples have problems, when there are issues in a marriage and you can't seem to work through them, uh, one thing that's good to do is to get with somebody who's a believer. I would encourage you to go to and speak to a pastor and sit down with them and get some solid marriage counseling. But the, the one way that your marriage is going to succeed, and God has given us the roadmap to a successful marriage and uh, really a guidebook, and that is his word. And I don't know how much time you guys spend in the word of God, but I know for me being married over 31 years or 31 years, uh, just under 31 years, that without Jesus, we wouldn't make it. But with Jesus, we have a marriage that is a blessing. And so I would encourage you and your wife to to get some counsel, Mike, and to get into a church. If you're if you say you're more Christian than Catholic, you need to get into a Bible teaching church that actually teaches what the Bible says and take your boys, be that spiritual leader in your home and encourage your wife to come along. But but I think you can work I, I believe you can work through this, Mike, if you bring Jesus into the midst of your marriage and you love her, as the Bible says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That is your responsibility as a husband. And also to lead by example for your boys. I also have three boys and uh, they are, two are married, one's about to get married. And I wanted to give them that example that me and your mom, we're going to stay together. We're going to work through difficult things because one day they're going to have to work through difficult things as well, Mike. Amen. I hope that helps, Mike. Well, it it, it does. Um, but what do you do with someone that, that A, I heard a previous caller and, and, you know, crystals and, and, and deeds and stuff like that. And I mean, what do you do with someone that doesn't know if they believe in Jesus, but that, but then they refuse to, to venture into the possibility, you know, well, first Corinthians, well, yeah. first Corinthians chapter seven says that, you know, if, if they're willing to live with you, then, then do that. But if the unbelieving depart, they depart. You, you you have to understand it takes two to make a marriage. It only takes one to make a divorce. And the other thing is you have to understand, too, is a person that's not born again does not see things properly. The Bible says they're in darkness. And when the Bible talks about a person not being born again is in darkness, it's not just talking about concerning spiritual things. It's concerning everything. Now, this is really important because we see America right now going into complete darkness. Americans don't even know what bathroom to go into anymore. Um, we, we, we see a total depravity. What is right is wrong. What is wrong is right. And these are the problems that we're, we're facing as a nation. And the thing is, no nation will survive with this kind of inconsistency. No nation will survive in this kind of darkness. So you have to realize that as these things go along, um, whether it be in a nation or in your own home, these are going to create real problems. Now, uh, how do you, how does a, a, a person that is in darkness live? <laughs> like they're in darkness. Yeah, it's not, no, you know, big wonder. I mean, when you see the way people behave, your wife is behaving because what is wrong is right. What is right is wrong. Everything is topsy-turvy in their life. The only stable thing probably in her life right now is probably you because you're in Christ. At least I pray you're in Christ. 
And I believe that's so important because, again, it's not the church that saves you. It's your relationship with God, and we put on his righteousness. It's not righteousness we generate in ourselves, but it's something that God gives to us, not because we deserve it, because it's his unmerited favor towards us. And I believe, Mike, that's what's so important when we deal with people like this. Now, I'll send you some books, some DVDs, and maybe you can sit down with your wife, get her to watch God of Wonders. That That's going to explain a lot of things. These All these things could not have just happened. When you see uh, when you see a building, there has to be an architect and builders. When you see a car, there has to be an assembly line. There has to be workers. When you see all of creation, there has to be a creator. Because the Bible says the very nature of creation speaks of a creator. Now, again, not by ram, random happenstance does all this happen. Not by evolution. Just throw a couple billion years at it, and here we are. Let me tell you, it takes more to believe in evolution than it does to believe in God, because there are no factual evidence for evolution. There's no transitory life forms, living or fossilized. No, no transitional life forms, living or fossilized. And there should be billions of them right now, but they're not here. Well, see, this shows that there's something wrong. And even Darwin himself said this was the greatest problem that he had in his theories is that there was not the fossil records, the historical records to prove his theory. Well, it's because his theory was bogus. That's why people want to want to dismiss God from their conscience will believe the stupidest lies. Like I said before, they won't believe in Christ, but they'll believe this little crystal will save me. Well, that's crazy stuff, but it's the same thing. So when we understand how dark humanity can be when they have left, the, and Jesus said, I am the way, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You get rid of truth in your life, you'll believe a lie, guaranteed. Any last thoughts? Yeah, Mike, I would just encourage you as a husband, as a father, you need to lead by example and you need to start going to church, whether your wife does or not. It's not about what she's doing right now. It's about what are you doing? Because so often a wife is a reflection of her husband and you're called to be one. And so you need to lead by example. You need to get your kids into church. And and if you don't know Jesus or you know about him, there's a difference, Mike, between knowing about Jesus and truly knowing him. It's one thing to be religious or to claim a religion. It's another thing to have a personal and living relationship with a living God and living Savior. Mike, this is, this is what's going to save your marriage. It is Jesus. Without him, it's not going to last. But if you will put him first and you will seek him and you will lead your family, in the way that God's called you to lead them. God will rescue your marriage. God will do a work. Let him do the work in you, and you start praying for your wife. You start loving your wife uh, in a, in the way that Jesus has called you to love, and watch what the Spirit of God will do as he starts the work in you, and then it'll translate over into your wife. Love her, Mike. Serve her. Be there for her, and um, and start leading them in the right direction towards the Lord, and God will bless. Hope that helps, Mike. Um, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, very much so. Um, there's just so much negative feedback. Um, well, sure. You're going to see that, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, it, Mike, it just, you know, when you stood there with your wife and you said, for better or for worse, this might be worse, but you, you made that vow. You made that commitment before God, and and now you have sons that are watching their dad, and this is a tremendous opportunity for you. And, and I know there's negativity and I know all of that, but maybe God is using this, Mike, to get you where you need to go. 
you need to start seeking the Lord in, in the deepest sense, not just religion now, but relationship. God wants to work. He loves marriage, Mike. He loves the family. The devil wants to destroy it, but God has a plan. And so I just encourage you, my friend, just to, to take those steps. You take the steps you need to take and then let God do his work in and through you in the days ahead in your wife. Amen. Mike, stay online. I'll send you out some books, some DVDs that perhaps you can get your wife to watch them with you. Maybe get some ice cream or some pizza and say, I want, I want you to watch this and sit down and watch it with her. And not watch it to show you how wrong you are, but rather, hey, watch this and tell me what's wrong with it. Let me have your input on it. And uh, again, them watching it objectively is going to be very, much better than watching it uh, defensively. And so objectively is so much better. Hey, watch this. Tell me what's wrong with it. I think you'll be blessed. Mike, stay alive. We'll get you taken care of, okay? Thank you very much, sirs. God bless you. Let's go to Dan, Big Island of Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. How may you we help? Me? We got How's you, Dan. Today, guys? How can we help? Great show. Great, great show. So, uh, okay, so I got a question for you. So um, I know it's, you know, obviously bad to use the Lord's name in vain. But uh, when it comes to the subject of profanity, it's kind of a weird question, but I'm just, I've always just been curious because some people really have a problem, you know, with anybody that slips, uses a little profanity or whatever. And I was just curious um, what, um, what it actually says in the Bible or what Jesus uh, said pertaining to profanity. Well, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no, because what becomes more of this is sin. Now, that doesn't mean we're not to have any personality, but it's where people are, are always swearing, you know, uh, you know, and uh, we also find in James 3.10, it says, out of the same mouth, praise and cursings come, my brothers and sisters, these things should not be. Um you know, I, I believe it's really important that we watch our words. Now, remember something about words. Words are something that that we give out that we can never take back. You can say you're sorry for what you said, but nevertheless, you said it, and that went into somebody's ears. And I believe this is why it is so important that we need to listen to what Jesus said concerning yes, be yes, no, be no. He's not talking about not having a personality. He's talking about idle talk that in some way emphasizes a person's words because they have either lied so much or chattered so much, their their speech doesn't mean anything. So I swear to you, man, that this is what's really going Well, why do you have to swear? Why don't you just say your yes, yes, and no, no? Well, are you saying that you've been lying to us all along and now every once in a while you get this glimmer of hope where you want to tell us the truth? Or everything has to be... Uh, explained in some kind of a profanity. Uh, this is where I believe this is what's talking about in James 3.10. Out of the same mouth as blessings and cursings come, brethren, these things should not be your thoughts. Yeah, you know, um, Dan, I appreciate the question. You know, I want to tell you that when it comes to what Jesus said, Jesus said, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that they speak. Matthew chapter 12 
verse 36. Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 11, that it's not what goes in to the mouth that defiles the man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. So often a revelation of a person's heart is what comes out in their speech. People that use profanity, people that use bad words on a regular basis, expletives, should not be coming out of the mouth of a believer. David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord. And and those kinds of words are not acceptable. They're not pleasing to the Lord. The Bible tells us and appeals to us to let everybody be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger. So the Bible has so much to say about the words that we speak that we are to let no corrupt, Paul said to the Ephesians, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth except for what is good and for what is building up. And so I, I think we need to check what we're saying because what happens is when people talk like that, it's a revelation of what's going on inside of their heart. And this is what I would say to you. Let me take it a step further. I would say replacement words. You know, you, you, you don't say the word, but you say a word that sounds really close to it. A lot of Christians do that. They, in place of that, and if you weren't listening carefully, it sounded like that. So they use replacement words. How about get rid of all of them? Start meditating on the word of God. Start speaking forth the word of God. Let that be coming up out of your heart and that proceeding from your mouth. And that makes all the difference in the world. And so uh, I think for Christians, man, we should be convicted by the things that we say. Does it represent Christ rightly? Would Jesus be saying this? Probably not. For sure. He would not be using profanity and it shouldn't be on the lips and the hearts of believers either. That needs to change. We need God to purify us, Mike. Amen. So it's wise to uh, be about our father's business. Hope that helps. Yeah, that definitely helps. And so basically, you know, what it sounds like to me is that, let's say you're talking trash about your neighbor or, you know, a friend behind their back or something. That's pretty much the same thing then, right, as profanity? Well, now, now there is that of bearing false witness against your neighbor, which is different than profanity, really. Now, it still falls into the category probably of idle words, but there is bearing false witness. Well, that guy's a good-for-nothing, low-down, bum-scum, you know, whatever it might be. Well, the problem oftentimes with that is that that may be just that person's perspective and not true at all. Uh, and, and we need to be very careful of that. I'm, I'm not against uh, saying Jesus uh, had many words to say. He called Herod that old fox, and that was not a flatterous term back then. The Bible tells us the, the foxes are the ones that spoil the vineyards. Uh, they were a very, very sneaky group of, of, of critters that would come in and, and destroy a, a farmer's field. Jesus was not being complimentary when he called Herod that old fox at all. But we want to be careful, and we want to weigh what we say. You know, it's interesting. We have two ears and one mouth. I think we should listen twice as much as we speak. Any last thoughts, John? Yeah, I would agree with you on that, Mike. And, and I do think it's important, Dan, that when it comes to not being a gossip, not, you know, talking bad about people, you know, behind their back. And, you know, if you can't say it uh, to their face, what, what are you doing talking about them when they're not there? I think, you know, is it helpful what you're saying? Is it, is it uplifting? Is it a blessing? Um, has God made you aware of a situation in somebody's life so that you can be critical of them or that you can intercede on their behalf? And I think, um, so often what we say is a revelation of, uh, where, where our heart's at. And I, I want the Lord to transform my, my heart and my mind. I want to say those things that are pleasing to the Lord. And there's some things like you said earlier, Mike, once you say it, 
you can't get it back. And words really do hurt people. And people are dramatically impacted or uplifted by the things that we say. And so I'd rather be an encourager of others than than to tear somebody down. I'm not afraid to call something what it is. But at the same time, I think uh, there's no need for profanity. And I have a hard time when Christians, you know, trying to express themselves using profanity or they're taking on the culture of the world. Mike, I've seen this recently where you see believers getting so fired up and they start, you know, using the same language to uh, come against the culture. But there's really no difference between them. Where's the grace? Jesus' words were seasoned with grace. He spoke grace and truth. Truth in love is the proper balance, I believe. So I, I hope that answers your question for you. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, you know, and I totally agree with everything you guys are saying, actually. I just wanted to know what the Bible said about that. And, you know, as far as my own personal struggle, Mike, I think you can understand this one. You know, what it boils down to is anytime I hear Joe Biden speaking, BS comes out of my mouth and I can't help it. <laughs> well, the, the, we're, this, I think, is indicative of a nation that's forgotten God. Um, you know, uh, and, and it, it's sad. And, and you have, uh, you're watching the death of a nation, everyone. America's dying. And when you see, uh, what's replacing godly values, the LGBT gang, all this stuff that the Bible prohibits, read Romans chapter one, and you see all this stuff going on. And you're, you're, you're realizing the very moral fabric that holds a nation together is now evaporating very, very quickly. And you watch the people. I, I watched a group today on television, and they were talking about the Democrats. This is the most robust economy we've had in 10 years. That's just a ball-faced lie. We, have, we haven't had this kind of inflation since 1948. People are not financially better off than they were four years ago or three years ago or two years ago. It's getting worse. Remember, when Trump left office, inflation was at 1%. Now it's probably between 10 and 14%, depending on how you figure it. So what's going to happen now is you're not going to be able to buy a house for all these kids coming out of school because interest rates are going to be, well, right now they're 6 7%. Well, if your inflation rate is, is 10 or 12%, the banks are going to have to raise you, they're going to have to raise their interest rates to 12, 14%. Oh, that can't happen. Let me tell you, Jimmy Carter, I was alive then. I looked at houses back then and you couldn't afford to buy a house because interest rates were between 18 and 21%. Oh yes, friends, this is really bad stuff. And now I don't think there's a person that I've talked to that hasn't went into a store, uh, uh, you know, a Home Depot or a Lowe's or something like that. They said, well, this, this piece of plywood was only, was only uh, $65 last week. Now it's $85. It seems like anything, everything you look at almost goes up $20 a month. <laughs> I know it's crazy. But the see, the problem is we're printing money that we have nothing to buy. You know, this omnibus spending bill, one point something trillion dollars with no gold, no silver, no gross national product to back it up. And so it devalues everybody's saving. Right now, the American citizens are being waged war on all their savings. This is what hyperinflation does. This is what this administration is promoting by spending money they don't have, which devalues everybody's savings and causes interest rates to rob our children from them being able to buy a house. It's crazy stuff. 
And yeah, does it make me angry when I see them ball face lie on TV? And then I watch the NBC, ABC, and you know, CNN, all news anchors sitting back and applauding. Oh yes, you know, the, no, they're lying too. <laughs> it's not a matter of fact. And why does every almost every single news broadcast have to continue to remind the American citizens that the last couple elections weren't cheated? If it wasn't cheated, it wouldn't be an issue. But they know it was. And because it was, we proved it here at CSN. We have people, we have records where people got handfuls of mail-in ballots in their mailboxes. That's fraud, everyone. I don't know why NBC, CBS, CNN won't tell the truth. But there's an agenda, see? And I believe this is why we need to work while we can. I believe uh, it's getting darker by the day. And Jesus said, work for the night is coming when no one can work. Do what you can do today for God. We may not be here tomorrow. Jesus said, when you begin to see these things, Matthew chapter 24, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. Dan, I hope that helps. Stay in line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, okay? Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, hey, can I give you one little last thing? Sure. Okay. Just a little shout out for my brother, Big Island Barnabas over there in Kona, man. You met him, Mike. Yes, I know him. Yes. Good guy. He, yeah. uh, for those that say, who is he? He, he's a bro that, that, uh, gets handfuls of tracks. And when the people get off the tour boat, you know, the, the cruises, he gives them tracks. That's all he does is just give them tracks. You know, they went on a cruise looking for a good time and, his prayer and our prayer is that they find Jesus instead. So I want them to have a good time too, but they need Jesus. So Dan, stay online. We'll get you taken care of and uh, God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Pete, San Antonio, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hello. How are you, sir? Good. How may we help? Okay, great. So real quick, I know we're almost out of time. Uh, my question is on tithing and offerings. So I haven't been in church in a while. Uh, I do regularly do do my own devotions of course i listen to csn radio i've called several times before and you may recall i i called in and kind of got some advice on that uh but right now what i've started doing was i started tithing to a friend of mine now he is a pastor he is involved in ministry of course right now his ministry the the church that they were operating they did shut the doors and you know he's gone through some financial difficulties lately and so i just kind of felt uh, a desire to go ahead and just start giving him my tent. And uh, I just wanted to get you guys take on that. And also the fact that I feel a calling in my life, is it appropriate, A, what I'm doing with my friend and B, would it be appropriate if I was to start taking some of that, what I would normally set aside for tithing offering. Okay, John, we have just one second, Pete. We, uh, John, we have about 30 seconds. Your advice. Well, I think uh, the Bible says, let every man uh, give so as he purposes in his heart. Pete, I don't know that there's uh, something wrong with helping somebody out who's in need. I think the Bible has a lot to say about that. My my question or my concern, even in light of your transparency and honesty, which I really appreciate, is that you would get into church also and that you would be a part of the body of Christ. Really important. The Bible says not to neglect the gathering ourselves together, especially as we see the day approaching. And Pete, that day's coming soon, brother. You want to be a part of the body. Body of yeah, so, I, you know, the Bible talks about tithes, offerings, and almsgiving. Almsgiving is you give somebody a sack of oranges that's hungry. Um, uh, offerings are generally above your tithe, but generally tithe went into the temple or went into the church. This is a matter of fact. 
Hey, uh, say the line. Connie, Kimberly, Dominic, calls the ball. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 